I'm like, you're not normal. Like, that's mental. <laughs> it's funny. I keep on telling men that. I go, now we know why nothing sticks in your heads. It goes straight yeah. from your head Shoots right to out. Because it literally comes right out. <laughs> flows right through them. <laughs> they don't retain anything. I love that. <laughs> Hey ladies. Hey ladies and welcome back to Perspective and happy Easter or post Easter to our listeners. I hope everybody had a lovely weekend. If you celebrate, if you don't, just hopefully you had a nice extended weekend. I know we did. Yeah, I'm sure even if you don't celebrate, you still probably had an Easter dinner of some sort. We, we're not religious, but of course we love any excuse to eat. Yeah. Oh yeah. We had a nice dinner for sure. And I needed this long weekend so bad. Like it's been, it was a whirlwind the past two weeks leading up to the weekend with work. My kid's school is closed um, because it's now considered an outbreak school. Then layer on the fact that we're, the whole GTA is, or sorry, the whole province has gone into a third lockdown. So it was just a lot and I needed this weekend to just do nothing. I I always hate to feel like so negative after, but it did not feel like it even happened. It flew, the long weekends fly by faster than normal weekends, so I don't even feel different or rested at all. (laughs) I definitely don't feel rested today because when we were chatting before, I mentioned to you that I chose to indulge in a cannabis product this weekend. Um, so naturally you have the weed hangover. I totally have the weed hangover. I ate a bit of a gummy and um, it was fun until it wasn't. I'll just say that. And that's how it always goes, my friends. <laughs> it's always fun until it's not. And I find with marijuana, the deadliest of all drugs it is. Oh my God, it's too just too risky. <laughs> You're you know better off with like heroin. Oh my God. <laughs> Meth. Definitely don't think that's true. Don't smoke weed, kids, but heroin's fine. We don't actually believe that. Um, we'll, we'll edit that out. But uh, <laughs> I did not smoke. I ate a gummy, a very small piece of it. And there was some very distinctive stages throughout that high experience. Like it was mellow, munchies, super case of the gigs. And then, like, just this intense, like, sensory experience where all of my senses were super heightened. And then I think I just passed out. And then, yeah, this morning I woke up feeling pretty hungover, which was is really weird for me. Because if I ever, the odd time that I do indulge in anything like that, I feel good. Usually only alcohol makes me feel hungover. So this was kind of different. So I'm like, ugh, that kind of ruined it. Well, I think for us who aren't regular smokers or you know users indulgers yeah users <laughs> i don't even know the lingo um it it hits us like a ton of bricks i think obviously people who smoke weed all the time um you know they don't get weed hangovers or whatever but for us people who are not fortunate enough to be able to smoke weed cuz i i really do wish 
I could smoke weed. I think it would enhance so many aspects of my life. You know, I feel I think I'd feel less anxious. Um, I think I'd be able to like chill. I wish I could just chill ever. I'm so always high strung. So I am jealous about it. And the odd times that we do smoke weed, um, you know, us with the girls, it's because it's when I'm already drunk. So I think that's why I can get out of my head. Um, And we laugh a lot, but that is only because we smoke it like so few and far between. It's if we were doing it every time, I don't think we'd still get that giggly effect from it. No, you just turn into a stoner at that point. Yeah. So I think that's why. But we can't guarantee. And I I think it's heightened because we are with the girls. So, of course, we're probably going to be laughing anyways. And we're half drunk. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's a good time. But yeah, so I'm kind of regretting it, but also it is what it is. I did have fun and um, I just feel super blah and tired today. So maybe it comes through in my voice. I don't know. You pay for your fun. I did. I am paying for it. As soon as we're done recording, I plan to go get back into bed. Um, (laughs) So, but speaking of recording, that means it's because we have an amazing episode for our listeners. And this is a really funny episode that you may not expect to be funny. Um, well, we certainly cover a lot of shit. Get it? <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Um, good one, Jess. Pun intended. Thanks. I had a, quite a few puns. <laughs> No, I, it was, I mean, the topic is poop and, you know, gastrointestinal (laughs) everything, basically. Okay, or we could say, we could say we're speaking to a gastrointestinal specialist. (laughs) Yeah, well, we, we are talking to a doctor uh, and we will get into it. So as usual, let's shout out our sponsors and then we will really get into it. Yeah, so thank you to our sponsors, Vitality MD and House of Hyla. Don't forget to use coupon code HERSPECTIVE100 when booking the OSHA or Vivive treatments at Vitality MD, and you can find them at VitalityMD.com. And use coupon code HERSPECTIVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase of any generation tube at HouseofHyla.com. Yeah, so we are chatting with Dr. Sapna Makija, and she is... Well, she's incredible for one, but her specialization is in gastroenterology. I can barely say that. Uh, she will <laughs> yeah, say that, that three times quick. Definitely can't. She will definitely <laughs> definitely explain that a lot better than I do. So we are calling her Dr. Sapna throughout the episode. She approved of us calling her that. That's actually her first name. <laughs> so we don't want anybody to get the impression that we are not respecting her title or her name because, I mean, she's earned it she's a doctor um so yeah all those med school years she put in her time she's officially a doctor yeah she's and she's been through a few different med schools she has quite the impressive resume of degrees so she's an absolutely incredible guest really refreshing in terms of her being a doctor and quite humorous and lighthearted, um but with just such great information we learned so much and as always, she definitely broke down some misconceptions, but we are a whole talk- bunch. Yeah, a whole <laughs> we bunch. We were not uh, prepared for the amount of misconceptions. Yes. And but- since we've talked to her, I, I can't stop thinking, like, what would Dr. Sapna do in this moment <laughs> when it refers <laughs> to things? I really have. 
And I mean, so, she had some great stories, which she does share. So you guys will definitely get a good laugh out of that because we are talking about, you know, the gastrointestinal part of the body. And as we know, <laughs> with that comes a lot of poop talk. And I don't think anybody is past laughing at like poop related stuff still like we are adult professional women and we still were giggling throughout but mostly because of the experiences that she's had in her profession with patients and I mean I guess I'm not surprised we weren't really we were surprised in the moment but when you think about it you're like well yeah I would probably do the same thing so people bringing in different kind of samples we'll say some specimens specimens (laughs) pictures uh the phone calls that she gets so i mean she was just an absolute hoot but super informative and part of the uh topic is discussing how those with um poor gut health or like gut issues could possibly suffer from covid19 symptoms in a more problematic way than somebody that has like stronger gut health or a healthy gut. Um, There has been links to that. So, and, and then on top of that, people with gastrointestinal issues that had contracted COVID could be recovering for up to two months still um, with different symptoms like diarrhea, nausea, abdominal discomfort, mood fluctuations, decreased appetite. So there, again, they have found some connections tied to COVID and gut health. So it's just really interesting to hear Dr. Sapna talk about all that and on top of everything else that she told us. So we don't talk constantly just about COVID, but just overall great episode to kind of learn more about gut health and like what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. And as society has kind of conditioned us to believe a lot of different things, I know you and I just were definitely under some beliefs and she cleared that right up yeah I think that a lot of the things until you speak to a specialist Google can only go so far you know what I mean like we all we all try and self-diagnose or we all try and like find the right thing for our bodies and sometimes you just need to stop and talk to a friggin specialist so so that we did yeah and she blew our minds but they all all our guests always do we're always so in awe of the information that they share or the experiences that they have so I think I mean I want her to explain everything and share her stories honestly guys it's such a great episode it's funny and informative but like really it is funny she her stories were had us cracking up so she's a fantastic speaker and you're gonna love the show so without further ado, welcome Dr. Sapna. Thank you so much for joining us. We are very excited to talk to you. This is a, going to be a bit of a different conversation for us, something that we know essentially nothing about. So excited for you to inform us and hopefully help <laughs> us a little bit. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, we're always looking for all the help that we can get, especially in what we're talking about today. So we're having you on the show to discuss COVID, gastrointestinal symptoms, everything like that. But first, why don't you tell us a bit about your background and, and what you specialize in and kind of your credentials? 
Okay, so uh, first of all, I became an internal medicine physician, followed by a specialization in gastroenterology, and then I further sub subspecialized in nutrition. Uh, I did a clinical fellowship of in clinical nutrition at University of Toronto, and then last year, actually, I decided I wanted to do more nutrition-related training, so I got certified by the American Board of Obesity Medicine as well. And I'm a, currently practicing as a community gastroenterologist uh, in Burlington, Ontario. We've opened up, uh, I think, Canada's only entirely female, minority female, wow. um, owned and operated uh, outpatient GI facility. So, you Ooh, know, the fantastic. job market was a bit That's tough. With, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, the job market was tough for women when we graduated because um, it's a fairly male-dominated specialty. And luckily, we're seeing a bit of a shift and we decided to start something that works for our lifestyle. So no, we don't do the cute stuff on call and we do miss that. But I think, you know, becoming three powerful businesswomen in our early 30s, um, uh, it's it's something that we've been proud of, that, that we were able to create this baby and um, help patient care and help patients get access uh, to care in a timely manner. Wow. Absolutely. That's amazing and definitely something to be proud of. And that's what we love to hear is women building businesses supporting each other and personally if i wanted to if i had the option to see a male or female specialist i would opt for a female specialist pretty much for anything that i would be going to see them for i just you know I, as a female i feel more mm -hmm. comfortable with that it would yeah. be a preference so it's nice that that's something that's becoming available and hopefully will be more and more i think available. we just have better for the most part, a lot of us have better bedside manner and a little bit more compassion, especially when it <laughs> yes. comes to female related issues. And, um, you know, I think we can understand each other a little bit better. Yeah, it's true. I've seen, you Absolutely. know, even for like therapy and things like that, I've seen male doctors and every time I ended up, I end up always wanting to switch over to a woman and <laughs> You know, there's there's many reasons that we we love our women on this podcast, and we've gone into it a million times about why we're so pro woman. So we don't even need to to go into that conversation <laughs> right now. <laughs> I think we're probably all in agreement there, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can relate to your own kind, so yeah. to speak, right? So it, it does just br bring some ease into any conversations, especially when it is something that you feel maybe uncomfortable about, vulnerable, and obviously, yeah, when it has to do with the body you're a female, you have the same things as me. Mm -hmm. So you 100% know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you don't um, get ridden off as easily. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a major one. Yeah. 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 There's so much going on down there. Uh, well, there's so much going on down there for every single Everywhere. human. But <laughs> when you add in like, you know, all of our monthly stuff and that I don't, some, half the time when I'm on my period, I don't know what the hell is going on down there. I don't know if it's like <laughs> cramps from my period or cramps from my stomach. So, I mean, I'm glad you're here to kind of talk with us about all of that as well and uh, give us some more information on that. Because as we as we always say, or as I always say, I shouldn't speak for Lauren. She knows stuff. But as I always say, I don't know <laughs> anything. Like every guest that we have on, I feel like I know nothing and it's just so much to learn. So, um, yeah, certainly appreciate having you a doctor somebody who really knows their stuff on to, to tell us about that. So I guess we can kind of pivot into our topic today, which is, you know, gastrointestinal health in COVID. Is this something that people, I just wanted to ask you like off the top, is this something that people associate with COVID 
at all? The gastrointestinal side of it? Initially, no. I think initially we just thought it was primarily um, more of a lung or respiratory uh, disease. So if you didn't have the cough, the fever, the pneumonia-like symptoms, we didn't think people had COVID. And um, it only came about later on that, you know, symptoms like diarrhea, nausea, the loss of sense of taste and smell, those were affiliated with COVID symptoms. And uh, what uh, they actually found that the patients who developed GI symptoms of COVID, namely more so diarrhea, um, they actually had worse outcomes when it came to um, have the severity of COVID as well. And we actually think that actually has to do with the gut microbiome and gut health. I mean, there's very limited data that we have. It's obviously only been a year into the pandemic and the microbiome or your gut microbiota are actually some of the hardest things to study because it's so different in every single patient. It's like your own fingerprint, but it's got a hundred, at least a hundred trillion bacteria in your gut. That's your fingerprint. So how do we really do an accurate, well-study, well-designed study on that? It's interesting because so many things health-wise are often linked to the gut, the gut Mm -hmm. health, but it seems like we still kind of brush that to the side. Well, you have to think of uh, your gut as your being your biggest immunological organ of the body. Like it's there to fight infection. That's where the good and bad bacteria reside. Also, it's got its own nervous system. Okay, so you know when they say the term gut instinct. I didn't know that, actually. um, Yeah, so it is true that you have a gut instinct, and that's where that term kind of came from, is, is, you know, your your gut essentially has its own brain. So when people either are anxious about flying or have a talk or whatever uh, transient stress that might be in their life, a lot of the times they just have GI symptoms. And that's what we're definitely noticing in COVID is that people, everybody's anxious this year. I haven't met a single person who said, yes, they've been okay the entire year. And our referrals have skyrocketed in terms of irritable bowel symptoms uh, or just generalized GI symptoms, abdominal pain, change in bowel movements. All of this stuff is because those neurotransmitters that are involved in anxiety and depression, there's more of them in your gut than there are in your brain. Wow. So this people is can insane. say, I don't feel anxious, but their stomach's anxious. And I, I don't know, I mean, I, I use the term anxiety or anxiousness loosely. I just think, I just say your gut is hypersensitive, um, can be hypersensitive to certain stimuli. And when it comes to managing this, these disorders of the gut and the brain access, we give them antidepressants, they're, they're in the class of antidepressants, but they don't have any antidepressant qualities at the low doses. But you tell a patient that thinks that they're not anxious or depressed, that you have to be on an antidepressant they are entirely resistant to therapy. Even though I tell them it's not affecting your mood at all, it's not at that dose, it's at a much lower dose, they are so reluctant to therapy and they don't want to accept their diagnosis despite that being the thing that would help them. Wow. And you're actually trying trying to treat the gut though in that situation. You aren't really trying mm-hmm. to treat the mental condition, which there may actually not be one. It is focused entirely like in the gut. Is that what you're kind of exactly. saying? Like, yeah. you can kind of, they operate separately. Mm-hmm. We call it yeah. the gut-brain access. And so it's not going to affect what's happening in the brain. It's going to affect those nerves that go from the brain into your gut that can become hypersensitive and it causes those to calm down. So whether it's diarrhea or constipation or abdominal pain, we do, uh, particularly I've started to recommend these medications fairly often, but the patient goes home and then Googles it and you know, they read antidepressant, they're like, we're not depressed, we don't want to be on this medication, and not Mm -hmm. understanding the reason. Do you have patients that have followed your 
advice, your recommendation, <laughs> and seen positive results from it? Some, yes, particularly um, when it comes to a lot of symptoms, like they have a sensation that there's always something stuck in their throat, uh, even though there's nothing there. It's called globus. And uh, even sometimes people have refractory acid reflux where they feel like something's burning in their chest all the time, but their scopes are normal. They're not responding to standard dose or even double dose antacid therapy and their diet's very clean and, and they're strict about avoiding the triggers for acid reflux. And I'm like, oh, you probably have just acid hypersensitivity. And those people definitely feel better. I do find it harder to treat the patients um, with more, you know, the constipation or diarrhea or abdominal pain. It's harder to treat those ones with that class of medication. I find them a lot more reluctant. Okay, I kind of want to explore that a little bit more. It's super interesting to think that we have a nervous system in our gut that and and I get this because I was diagnosed with anxiety and I used to have IBS where I would get really nervous and, you know, you know, (laughs) Um, so but now I don't have that anymore. And my anxiety is more like um, like heart beating or like mind racing. It doesn't I don't feel like the stomach effects of it anymore. So what what happened there? Like. Why, why would I have anxiety in my head and feel it in my stomach? And then why would that leave? Do you have an idea about, not that I'm like, treat me or anything. It it can (laughs) flare. I mean, IBS is known to flare. Uh, Some people obviously go through various different life experiences and, and their bodies will react differently and you can be okay for years and then the IBS comes back or sometimes people have constipation predominant IBS symptoms. And then as they get older, they have diarrhea predominant. Other times, especially in, in women around, you know, younger women that have a history of anxiety, if they even get something like a food poisoning or like salmonella or something, traveler's diarrhea, they will have a post-infectious IBS, more uh, more, probabili- more probability of that happening than a man uh, without the history of anxiety. And we don't know why, but that's definitely quite common. And those symptoms can persist for years. So they can never have had mm-hmm. IBS. And then all of a sudden they go on a trip to Mexico and they come back and they're Bowels are altered for eight to ten years, and it can, you know, affect oh my their God. quality of life. Yeah, that is a very long amount of time. <laughs> well, so Jess, I don't want to share all your personal information. Please do. But <laughs> you're someone who also isn't regular, so you saying that your anxiety was yeah, mental maybe and I now physical, have it constipated wise. <laughs> but yeah, like we've had many conversations about this, <laughs> yes. but Jess isn't like a regular person in terms of like bowel movement. So is that kind of like, could that just be a different form of the condition? Being the, having the constipation, you mean? Yeah. Is that (laughs) like still having my IBS anxiety, except now I don't go to the bathroom at all. I just am constipated. And also is being constipated like the biggest faux pas for your GI (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing is, there's also chronic constipation. So, you know, IBS has to include a component of abdominal pain. Um, And and the abdominal pain should get better uh, after a bowel movement. If it's just more constipation, then it's not necessarily a diagnosis of IBS. I mean, you'd have to go through full history and all of that with your your provider. But chronic constipation is a huge problem uh, amongst Mm -hmm. everyone. And particularly, again, it can be in relation to part of what's happening in the brain and, and the nervousness there too. It doesn't necessarily need, need to mean that you have IBS. Uh, you can have chronic idiopathic constipation. And there is this, 
thing that people have that they feel like they need to be going daily. And I have this conversation with my patients all the time. I go, as long as you're going three times a week and <gasps> when you go, you feel like you're emptying and you feel well in between your bowel movements, meaning you don't feel uncomfortable and bloated and you're not straining and you're having good, complete bowel movements, you're not constipated. Amazing. Not <laughs> yeah, that's what people huge. think. Oh, I'm constipated. I don't go every day. I'm like, if you've yes. never gone every day and you're feeling well, that's fine. It's You don't need to go every day. As long as you're going wow. more than three times a week and you're feeling well in between your bowel movements and uh, you're not, you probably aren't even constipated. Okay. Wow. So I love how I'm diagnosing myself. Conception off. <laughs> The, I've been uh, constipated for years, but really I'm just healthy and normal. <laughs> well, yeah. And actually a study came out because we rarely have good uh, studies that come out on natural therapies for constipation. Like we know fiber and everything is obviously good. But two Not kiwi fruits good. a day. <laughs> two kiwi fruits a day is the simplest form of treating constipation now. Oh, that's an amazing tip. So in this quick little um, conversation. We've learned one misconception. So we're big on breaking down misconceptions on this show. Um, Usually our guests bring one or more every time uh, when we talk to them, which is what we love. We're just speeding through them today. I 100% believe, and I think I probably said, Jess, you're not normal if you're not going daily. Yeah. Um, Oh, my boyfriend, he goes like three times a day. I'm like, you're not normal. Like, that's mental. (laughs) It's funny. I keep on telling men that. I go, now we know why nothing sticks in your heads. It goes straight from your head Shoots right out. Because it literally comes right out. (laughs) Well, it's right through them. (laughs) <laughs> they don't retain anything. I love <laughs> that's that. Amazing. But but that's really great information because yeah. I actually know a lot of people that get very stressed out by the fact that they do believe that they are supposed to have a bowel movement at least once a day, which yeah. op- is probably contributing to not having yes. those movements because <laughs> you're stressed out about it and then you're you thinking have- and... You have no idea how many times people will call me just to tell me that they haven't had a bowel movement in eight hours. They'll call the office and I'm like, okay. Like, yep. oh like, you should put that you on your voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like, you know, in, in Canada, when you have, you know, somewhat free or socialized healthcare, you got to limit on what's getting through to the doctor because honestly, I, as like, you know, you can tell these patients again and again that um, they don't need to, but it, it has become an obsession for a surprising amount of people. Oh, it's so why weird. That, yeah. Though? Like, why? Where did this come from that we all of a sudden think like <laughs> we're not functioning properly if we're not having a bowel movement at least once a day and it has to look a certain way and be firm or not? I don't even know. There's just like, there's like rules to your bowel Because nobody wants That's... to be like backed up with shit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think, but then, then you're feeling unwell, right? So if you're feeling unwell, then yeah, you need to get treated for it or at least seek some, start some form of bowel routine or talk to somebody about it. But if you're feeling well and you're fine, like I, there was one woman, I felt so bad for her. She, her, her bowels just weren't contracting and she would go up for three weeks without having oh. a bowel movement. And she felt unwell, like she would feel unwell and just nothing, nothing. And she was eating normally. So imagine you're just like eating this food. food. Yeah. Okay. So is this, is that what happens though? It's, it just compacts and compacts and compacts. Like, are you full of it? Luckily she didn't, she wasn't compacted. So it was hard to believe what, if either she's not eating as much as she should, she 
said she was, or she was having some bowel movements and not, um, not really telling Who me about lies them. lies about I, that? Like, oh, girl, <laughs> girl, you have no idea what I see. You have no idea I what do, I see. We do not. We do I not. I can't even imagine I, what you see. <laughs> let me tell you one story. This was when I was a relatively new practitioner out on Ontario and uh, very naive, right? Like, you, you see these pleasant patients and you, you just take everything at face value. And this was <laughs> around Christmas time. And I had this uh, older woman come to me from Texas and uh, she's sitting there and uh, she, she lives here now. She's been living here for a number of years, but, and she, it was around Christmas. So she hands me a little Ziploc bag with paper towel that I could see. And, and it, I'm figuring around the Christmas, older woman, maybe a little baked no. good, you know, Stop. whatever. So, uh, so I was about to grab it with my hand and I'm like, no, wait. So I, she puts it on the desk and I go, okay, well, what's going on? What, what brings you here? She goes, you know what? I used to live in Texas. There's a lot of cacti in Texas. I got pricked by a Texas in my arm, like when I was a kid. And since then, I'm growing a cactus inside my body. And I'm like, okay. <gasps> and I go, well, what's this? She goes, even... it's, it's, a, it's a poop sample with my cacti needles in there. <laughs> and I'm like, she bought her poop in a paper towel. In a plastic bag to show me a piece of mucus. No cacti. The cactus needle is not going to go through your muscle and in, in in your arm and somehow enter your bloodstream and somehow grow in there. Forever. I, I, t- I, I tell you, I'm going to write a book once, you know, in a few oh years. Oh, my God. Between my job and my dating life, people, my friends, really think I have the best stories. Anytime we do anything, I'm like... It's going to be called Dealing with Assholes at Work and at Play. And it's just, <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I love that. People, you heard it here first. Yes. I, I can't wait to read that. second it comes out. You I are just hilarious. Second, ready, so somebody else needs to write it for me, but I've got the stories. So. Just dictate your story. That is the funny. I love how now this is the second myth we've debunked. Like, guys, you will not be shitting out a cactus for the rest of your life if you get pricked by a cactus needle. As if that needed so what to be was said. It? Just Mucus? It was just a, like mucus, like it was some dried mucus with which your body will produce. So the linings, uh, the lining mm. of your colon does produce mucus, and that's normal. And I've the amount of that. obsession, yeah, and, and a lot of people have it. Like I have this young gentleman who was in his late twenties, early thirties, and he was convinced he had a parasite. He goes, "I'm seeing worms," and he was so like the amount of pictures he'd bring to the office. And I'm like, it's mucus, it's mucus. He would do the stool studies. Oh, He'd done like so many parasite studies. His blood work's normal. Everything's normal. He keeps seeing a parasite. And I'm Is just mucus like, white? Yeah. It's like a uh, slimy. It's like slime material. Like clear. And like sometimes slime. it, yeah, but sometimes it dries. It can be dried mucus as well. And, uh, but it's, it's normal. He's so he's sending you pictures. <laughs> oh, I've seen pictures of everything. That's the... Uh, <laughs> Again, why? I don't, okay, of the stories <laughs> that you've told, though, I don't understand why your patients don't believe you. They're like, nope, nope, it's definitely <laughs> it's a worm or a it's parasite. A cactus. Here's here's a twenty especially just in, in the case. year of COVID, everybody, especially during the year of COVID, everybody has become an MD. Like, <laughs> I, it's like amazing. I did what fourteen years of school and. 
people in nine months of Google search. You don't search know anything, have, obviously. I, I really don't. And, uh, <laughs> like, Thank God we have Google. Yes, <laughs> WebMD exactly. and Google is all you need. Yeah, well, I mean. WebMD only points to cancer every single time, no matter what it is. I'm like, oh, my hip hurts. I think I pulled a muscle. It's like, well, you have a cancerous hip, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, to the patient's benefit, though, like I, I do appreciate when patients actually do report that they look in the toilet bowl after having a bowel movement. I will say that is actually quite important, um, especially now with diagnosing colon cancer in younger people. A lot of the time, the first symptom is blood mixed in your stool, okay, or um, a change in caliber of stool. Like the amount? Right? Uh, no, the size. So for example, oh. if you've had, you know, logs of stool and all of a sudden they're pencil thin and it's a persistent change, that could be that there's like a core lesion obstructing somewhere and it's causing oh. your stools to become thin. Or some people say my stools used to be round and now they're flat persistently. So it, it makes you think because your colon's a tube, right? So if there's any type of obstruction, yeah. particularly on the lower side of your left colon, um, it's going to change oh. the shape of your stool as it's passing. And, you know, March was Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And, um, you know, you know with Chadwick Boseman and all these celebrities now Mm-hmm. kind of dying from younger age of colon cancer and colon cancer being preventable. So it's 95% curable if you oh diagnose it early. So, and I think that particularly uh, younger people, um, I mean, it's rare in 30s, but it can happen if there's family history. But, you know, people in their 40s and upward, they really need to keep an eye out for symptoms because you're not going to qualify for a screening program until you're 50 if there's no family history. So it's important to you know, at least observe your stool for changes. Don't be obsessed with it. Don't take pictures of every single bowel movement. But and send them to you every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is this normal? Is this normal? Is it still normal? Okay, let's give like an overarching, you know, a, what is a normal one? Just so we all know now, we don't have to ask you anymore. Like, is there something we should look for every day that it should be like this or in these parameters, kind of? Well, range. I mean, yeah. there's something to look up. We call it the Bristol stool scale. So it's it looks at different levels of stool. Kind of like a, a single-formed log, as I'd like to describe it, is better. Obviously, if there's pellets and they're harder and you're pushing, that's more of a sign of constipation. And then there's like the muddy type or the mush, mushy type. That's obviously, you know, a little bit of diarrhea. So, But some people can have anything along the spectrum. But normal would be kind of like the log and you feel emptied and you don't have to sit and strain for a number of minutes each time. Like, you know, that's why I tell people that it develops hemorrhoids too. The longer you sit on your toilet and read something or read a magazine or play on your phone, um, more likely you are to get hemorrhoids. So go when you have the urge, do your business. And then leave the bathroom. Get up. (laughs) Like guys will sit yeah. there on their phones yeah. for twenty minutes. I'm like, why yeah. don't well, why do you want to be in there too. doing it? Women were like, that's the only time I get away from my kids. I'm like, well, get up then and go in the shower or, or go for a bath. Just don't stand sit near because... the toilet. Don't be yeah. on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh I would like to say that I'm happy to report that I think I have a pretty normal. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. But, I mean, I don't believe you. Good. I need pictures. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll bring no, it to you in a baggie, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Just scoop it out and show her the real thing. <laughs> but it's important oh, to note, like what you said, Doctor Sapna. Though, is that it? If you're seeing a change that becomes more, the change yeah. is more consistent than what you're used to. That's what we want to look out for because I think, like. 
is it normal sometimes to have a tiny bit of blood or like discoloration or different things in your stool, noticing that it's not a constant occurrence? Yeah. And again, blood upon wiping is blood is different from blood that's mixed in your stool. So usually if it's blood upon wiping, it's usually something like a hemorrhoid or a fissure, which is a small cut around the anal area. And that happens after a hard stool most commonly. But if Mm. it's blood that's intertwined in the stool, that means it's coming from higher up. So it's Mm. either a polyp or some inflammation that's bleeding or like could even be a sign of cancer. So it's definitely worth uh, getting investigated. And even bright red blood upon wiping, if somebody's over 40 and they're having that pretty frequently, I will still advise them to have a colonoscopy. Not if they're 21 and they've had it twice after being constipated and straining. I wouldn't put them through a procedure. But um, it's that's why you should always get assessed and you don't ignore these symptoms. I mean, we, we yeah. joke about it all we want, but, you know, as I always say, your shit says a lot about you. <laughs> that, sh- that could be your, like, blurb for your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely another one. It's true, though, because we will kind of, like, dismiss those things because I think people don't want to deal with it. It's gross, right? So you're like, oh, I'm sure I'm fine. Or, like, that's just it's random. Scary. And who's who's really looking every single day to I determine am. whether they're seeing changes? Don't I don't look. look every single day. I mean, I'm just – but, like I said, I feel good after I go to the bathroom. Yeah. And it is daily, so I don't really feel like I've got anything to worry about. But knowing all of these things, I definitely will just, you know, check it out. I do. A, a little bit more. I want to make sure that there's enough in there because, like I said, I don't go every day. So I'm like, oh, and sometimes there's not a lot. I'm like, well, I know I ate a lot more than that yesterday. So what the hell? <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you really quick before we kind of like move on from just talking about shit. <laughs> um, I have two bathroom, shit talk. two toilet tools. So I use a stool. Is that a good mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. So that's actually quite good, particularly okay. for women. It actually. Uh, the body was not meant to defecate while sitting on a chair like the toilet seat. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, the, I have a squatty potty in yeah. the yeah. bathroom. Yeah. So those are great. But, you know, the squatty potty patent kind of makes it a little bit more pricey. Just use a stepping stool. Yeah, that's so what I use. I got know, it from the dollar store. Yeah. And it doesn't work yeah. as an Mine actual stool. From Costco in a t- two or three <laughs> packs. So. Yeah. There you go. And then the yeah. other tool I use is I just recently got a tushy. So, you know, the, the, it's like the bidet thing that goes on your toilet. Oh, okay. So, do you that's probably more of a comfort thing. just for cleansing, though? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's, yeah. But is that yeah, like, so. well, it's still bum health, right? It's still relevant. Yeah, so, I mean, so, so there's actually a condition called puritis ani, which basically means itchy ass. And again, something I get referred a lot for. God. <laughs> and, <laughs> And uh, a lot of it is just from using toilet paper and, and scrubbing because you can make those nerves a little bit sensitive. Obviously, it's aggravated a little bit by diet, spicy foods and all of that. But one of the first treatments that we tell people is use either if you have a bidet, use that or use a wet towel to wipe yourself and don't, you know, rub extensively with toilet mm-hmm. paper because there are chemicals in it. And for most people are fine. But for people who are hypersensitive in that area, um, it can be uh, more more bothersome. So if it's just for, you know, cleansing purposes, obviously, it is better. And it is kind of the more natural way to, um, to clean yourself. So you go. Yeah. Girl. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> I well, I had a traumatic experience happen, and I won't even get into it. It involves like 
a homeless hooker's naked asshole and I just yeah (laughs) and she had toilet paper stuck in her ass crack when she bent over (laughs) unfortunately I had to see all of that and it was just she was very very like dark skin so it was so contrasted and and it was and it was so close to me anyways it was just like on the street like Literally, like every so thing is getting you worse. To think that that could be you. And no, you I just that. never imagined toilet paper being stuck. I know she's homeless. I don't even want to know what else. But like, I couldn't imagine toilet paper like being stuck like that. I'm like, that probably happens all the friggin' time. So now that I like, that's why we got the tissue because I was traumatized from this woman. I know that that is oh God, a wow. very far jump, but <laughs> now I feel cleaner. <laughs> oh my gosh please oh my god on. i can't even imagine the kind of things people tell you like i feel like people must just like completely unload with their like no, what no i just intended. said like what was um, that <laughs> yeah like you just you being in this having this as your specialty i feel like opens you up to just so much I, I don't people. think i've ever gone to a party or any type of gathering where i haven't had to do <laughs> free consultations like my 100%. one of my friends actually i would ask well then yeah, it's funny because i guess you know this was a few years ago one of my good friends from high school has moved here and we went out for dinner because one of her friends was visiting from calgary and she intentionally didn't tell her friend what i did because she knew how obsessed her friend was about poop in general of everyone like including her kids her husband she's just obsessed with not her own not only her own but everyone <laughs> and uh so I didn't know that she didn't tell her friend what I did and then somehow conversation came up and the minute she found out she's like what she's like ding, you ding, were a gastroenterologist <laughs> and I swear to god the rest of my dinner was just not even the same it was just constant constant question after question after question <laughs> oh and you know you, you don't mind it sometimes but it's very hard to give you know diagnose somebody or actually tell them what they really need in that type of setting like you do need to address what I would say red flags and I say go you should talk to your doctor and then it's like well you know who do you know in Calgary who can I go see and can you speed up the referral I'm like okay this is just opening a whole can of worms right now I I I really can't get into that but it's um but also you're just trying to have a nice dinner with friends like maybe you don't want to talk about pooping for once yeah, you've done that all day. Now let's do it all through dinner. Too. And for free, right? Like yeah. for free. Yeah. It's like when do you get free legal advice? When do you like, you know, you send in a lawyer an email and you get a bill of $700 if you like depending on what kind of lawyer they are. So you should Whereas have just with- sent her a bill or handed her the check You're like <laughs> oh, this is my fee. Then I'd be sitting on Bermuda or some Barbados island right now cuz <laughs> The amount of times I've had to do that, yeah, because, like, whether it's friends or family, like, you know, you won't talk to somebody for two years and all of a sudden they have some medical issues. Like, oh, yeah, how are you? By the way, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. I just want (laughs) to ask you, is it so neutralized for you? Because I still think, like, pooping, um, bowel movements in general, like, everything about it is so taboo still in society. Um, People never talk about it. It's, like, so embarrassing. Is that... Obviously, in your field, it's something you encounter all the time. But like, it in your guys, like, is it less taboo for you, or like, how is it? Well, it po- I still don't think most people. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, I still but do you know what I mean? Enjoy discussing it. Like, it's funniest talking to like the cute middle aged woman, and she's like, "Oh, I feel really embarrassing talking about this." But I'm like, "This is my job. I'm the person you can talk to about this." 
right? And uh, one thing I always tell patients, again, when it comes to colon cancer screening stuff, I'm like, you guys should be knowing what's going on in your family in terms of who's had the test and what did it show? Because if there is a family history of polyps, which are still precancerous, but if, you know, parents have had polyps removed, it's important to know how old they were when that happened, how big they were, because that can affect the child's time when they need to go get tested. And uh, a lot of people don't even know, you know, their parents' health and or their siblings' health as to or what my, was done. Yeah. And, you know, again, if you want to prevent colon cancer, you need to know your hist- family history well, and you're not going to know your family history unless you talk to them about it. So Next I always time I encourage see my parents. that conversation. <laughs> I do yeah. know that my mom has had a colonoscopy. I don't yes. think my dad has, but he may have. But I know that my mom, my mom takes everything very seriously. She does all her checks. Like, she's a very healthy lady. So that was... What she did? Uh, did she I think tell it was you like about five it? Five or so years ago. Did she tell yeah. me about it? Yeah. yeah, she said it's good. Yeah, it she was, was good. Like having some discomfort, um, I think, which kind of encouraged more to go get that check. She was just like, and she'd probably kill me if she noticed. Actually, she wouldn't. She'd be like, "Oh, let me tell you all about it." Um, <laughs> yeah, she was she having totally. like some cramping when try like when trying to have a bowel movement, but not like in the stomach, I guess more like that feeling of like it's nearing the end. And Mm. so then that prompted her to go get checked out. But looks like she's it. Well, she's found out that she's good and doesn't have anything to worry about. Thank God. But it's it's interesting because it's not something that I would ever really think about unless. Yeah, I was really having pain or discomfort. um, And the problem is the taboo in my stool. Yeah, and the, t- the taboo in, in terms of the media, the TV shows, anytime they show anybody that's about to have a colonoscopy, it's a comedy. Like, it's a, nobody yeah. ever really gives a pleasant thing. And I'm like, you know, that tube is going where? <laughs> it's just like... Well, it, even it, in it, TV, it. like, they have never, I've never seen it acknowledged once that people go to the bathroom or, like, you know, it's Very never rarely, acknowledged sure. unless it is, like, a comedy routine, yeah, or where, whatever. It's, it's just never talked about in society. Like, I've never be at work and be like, okay, I'm going to go to... Poo. Yeah. Well, it's it's not something you want to discuss. Like, even if you go pee, you don't really, you just say, I'm going to go use the bathroom. Whereas, like, in my household, my brother in law is a gastroenterologist as well. I've got two young nephews that are obsessed with poop. My father's a physician. So it's like literally (laughs) regular talk in our household. If I I told my dad that, he'd kill me. If I, like, even if I was on my period, like, my dad's so not into that at all. Maybe that's where it stems from, you know, growing up in a house like that where I can't say stuff like that to my dad. If I asked him right now, like, can you tell me about your like colon health he'd be like get out of here <laughs> you know <laughs> like no you cannot yeah. ask about that <laughs> so well, when I- you're little poop is kind of like gross right and then it's funny and then it's sort of something that becomes really like taboo and private like and yeah. especially for women though like this is a big one because women don't poop women don't fart women, like it's more gross and I use air quotes for women because guys kind of put that on you like well I don't want to know if she takes a crap I don't want to smell like it's all becomes this like really like unclean gross thing and so as a girl you're very like conscious of it and you're like well I can't poop at his house I can't Mm -hmm. let him know that I even go to the bathroom like and so then you you just grow with that and that stays with you and honestly like I mean now I've been married to my husband for 12 years and now yeah I mean there's no secrets between us but um not that I'm like advertising it but 
for most of the relationship, it was very private thing because it's like, I don't want him to think I'm gross, even though I yeah. know I'm not. Like, it's he just watched natural. you give birth. He thinks you're gross. <laughs> That's probably when the the barrier of the pooping yeah. got broken down. You're like, I gave birth. I can be gross. Yeah. Well, he I definitely never... doesn't think that's gross. But yeah, I mean, Ew, it, there's like I, I said, there's no secrets. It's funny though, because the first anymore. time I delivered a baby, like I was actually a med student. I, I I did my schooling in Saskatchewan. And as a med student, you got to deliver babies of low risk people. And so remember, the family doctor wasn't there yet. And so the nurses guide you through everything. And I hadn't done this before. And, and you know, she's like, no, you tell them to push like they're having a bowel movement. And yes, so she starts doing that. I'm like, but that's poop coming out, not the baby. <laughs> I was just like, Ugh. I was traumatized. <laughs> so well, that's another like, thing. Women are so scared of this. What if I poo while I'm pushing? And what if my husband sees the poo come out? Yeah. And they, they'll never get over it. They'll be so traumatized. And it's like... You will not care now that I've yeah. had children. They the nurses move so quickly; no one even knows what's going on. Well, how do they and move? I always hear this: they move so quickly. How, what are they wiping? I don't up? know. They clean it. Just clean it up right away. Yeah, they clean. A big block of shit just, is being cleaned no, up really quick. No, it's not like it's just always. It's not like that though. Yeah, it's not like that. Soft, and then there is a blue pad underneath you. So right away they'll just like grab the blue pad, throw it out, put another one there. Like it's just gone. Oh, no okay. one's paying attention okay. to that. It's nothing to worry about. I want to no, say that no. to it's women. It's normal because it's really, that's... Your body is pushing things out of it. That's what's supposed yeah. Other to be stuff happening. is bound to come out. <laughs> I'm sure there's like comes out pee right on the baby's moments. head. No, because the baby's above it, Jess. <laughs> you might want to take an anatomy course. I thought the pee hole was yes, above it. it's poo. No, the pee hole. No, I said you're probably peeing on the baby's head. No, okay, all anyways, of that we're moving down. on. We're okay. moving. Oh, okay. this is a that's a different topic. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll <laughs> we'll have Doctor Sapna back on for that one. Um, <laughs> She's like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm busy that day. Yeah, <laughs> forever. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that's okay. So funny. But in all seriousness, like we've covered quite a bit. But when it comes to like gastrointestinal issues and COVID again because this is sort of like all we talk about and all that seems to matter in the world right now is there like something that people could be doing or is there signs like what how so, does this all work so uh it it is good to optimize your gut microbiome okay because that's where um some cytokines which are messengers that deliver signals to the rest of your body in terms of uh, producing this inflammatory response so how we were talking about people who had gi symptoms had more severe disease it's because we believe that they had Bad, more bad bacteria than good bacteria in their gut. And then those bad bacteria led to a very hyperactive inflammatory response. And that's why they had worsening outcomes. So you do need both good and bad bacteria in your gut. They usually live in harmony with one another. But changes that through life, changes like antibiotics and alcohol and your diet, they will affect your gut, okay? Um, so best ways to keep your gut healthy. First of all, um, eating the rainbow, a variety of fruits and vegetables and fiber, okay? They are very beneficial to the gut. They promote uh, the good bacteria to thrive, and they keep the bad bacteria at bay. Um, reduction in ultra-processed foods, 
I don't think that's a secret in anything health related. We've been, you know, harping down that horse for a very long time. We hear it, but so many don't follow that guidance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's easier said than done, especially, you know, especially now when eating healthy has become so much more expensive. Like with COVID, I bought a dragon fruit and two passion fruits the other day and I paid $12. I was just like, okay, but you can go get a McDonald's you know, meal for, for two people. The same price. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's more satisfying. So, you know, we have to really work on making healthy food um, more um, attainable for most uh, people. And, and that's, and that's part just of a societal of... thing too, especially yeah. in Western yeah. culture. Like we have to stop, there should be some kind of, I don't know what it would be called. I can't say a law, but there should be some kind some of regulations. Yeah, regulations in place on how much like commercial time they get and just like how much it's sort of forced on you through the media and everywhere you go because that's all you think about. I'm hungry. Oh, I'll grab a quick Timmy's. I'll grab a quick Burger King, McDonald's, all of those things. You would never think, oh, I'm hungry. I'll just grab a quick passion fruit. Um, well you should be thinking that six dollars <laughs> i can't afford a damn passion fruit yeah, but you know exactly. they do put the warnings on like a cigarette so they should put these warnings on um on, on you know i guess processed foods or, or things like that they really should be having these warnings on them because there's a lot of foods that i think i'm eating that are healthy even not just for like mcdonald's but like at the grocery store i think i'm being healthy like even something like deli meat it's turkey it's lean but it's like full of shit and, and we don't even know you know what i mean uh, maybe that's a bad example but yeah, the preservatives and- they should be putting warnings of anything that is i guess preservatives like something like that to aware people yeah of but Processed, but, period. Yeah, processed. Uh, processed, yeah. Like, uh, unless yeah. something you're not eating in its whole natural state, it's processed. Okay, but yeah. we're talking about more of the ultra processed stuff because realistically, we're not yeah. going to get away from all processed food. I mean, there's no like way that's going to happen. Slices. Yeah, cheese slices and <laughs> like crafts. You know, even you know, anything that's in a can would be considered processed. That and who the hell is going to use you know use dried beans and make all the time it's all about convenience as well but Wait, just if can't you can't eat canned foods well there's obviously preservatives in those too right so um i i eat them and i and i think they're entirely fine but i know some people with who are very strict about that they'll they'll stew their own tomatoes they'll make their own crushed tomatoes because they don't um they don't trust it i personally do i think there's really no problem in that but i just i do try to get people to steer away from the ultra processed stuff the donuts the pastries um you know frozen foods and all of that and um Mm. the other way to help your gut health is you know exercise studies have shown that Mm -hmm. even 150 minutes per week which isn't that much but it's 150 minutes a week can um improve your gut health reducing alcohol not eliminating i mean we had, there are some benefits to red wine um, but reducing the al- alcohol that if somebody drinks on a daily basis cutting that down smoking you know cutting that down they're not any it's not anything um that's earth shattering in terms of yeah. what's going to keep your gut health healthy yeah uh, i mean thing, it's things that we already know but we're just as a society probably not being as cognizant of it as we should be. Well, because that's all of our great vices. That we're having a... That's yeah. all my five favorite things to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eating bad, <laughs> and then, and, But the thing is, in the Western world, we really don't have enough fiber. And fiber has so many 
benefits in overall health. And, you know, having 25 to 35 grams of fiber a day should be really everyone's goal. And a lot of people are not getting there. Um, okay, like so. where do you really get fiber though? Because I'm sure I don't. I eat tons of raw fruits and vegetables. Like I consider myself someone who eats quite well and I exercise. But like I tried to eat quinoa and it actually really upsets my stomach. So that could just be a sensitivity. But I have noticed if I eat things that are like what I would say is too fibrous, I'm in a lot of pain from it. Yes. Yeah, so like you chickpeas. probably you can't go too high on fiber too soon. Okay, so you have to okay. go up gradually because your body needs time to adjust. Otherwise, you will feel gassy, bloated, and uncomfortable. Um, and okay. so you, know, you, you probably, if you are having a lot of fruits and vegetables, you are probably getting a good amount of fiber in, at least, you know, the 25 grams. So fruits, vegetables, legumes, uh, nuts and seeds have a good amount of fiber as well. So, you know, I... I I think you probably are. I think it's the people that have like focused on on the processed foods that, you know, grab a Timmy's for breakfast every day and have a sandwich at lunch. I think, you know, it's my husband. those are the people that, yeah, <laughs> like many people. And he definitely has gut issues. Yeah. But that's and, also due to like medications, which I mean, that's got to play a whole other part. Too. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So then if you feel like maybe we're not being like, say... I drank last night or something. Should I have like a probiotic or should I have a yogurt or something today? Or do you suggest so things like that? The problem with uh, probiotics is that uh, they, they don't have to be regulated. They're considered a supplement. So just because something says that there it's a probiotic and there's this much of it in there does not mean anything that that's actually what you're getting. Um, there's very few of them that actually, the brands that actually have been studied well. And so as gastroenterologists, we do tend to recommend like two or three, um, but when Can it comes you to them, so we know, uh, yeah. So Align is one of them. A L I G N. You get that at Costco. Okay, we actually have uh, that. Yep. Uh, Floor Store is a more of a yeast probiotic, and we recommend that if people are on um, antibiotics, then they can take that concomitantly. Um, and then one is Tuzen T U Z E N. Um, and that's lactose and gluten free as well for people that need to be on that. So. Those are really the three I'd recommend because I don't really know what's in the others. And in terms of benefit for the gut, there's very few um, studies that have been done that actually show a benefit. We know it helps in certain conditions in inflammatory bowel disease where people have a pouch. We know it helps in recurrent C. difficile infection, which is an infection of the gut as well. But when it comes to other conditions, we don't really think that there's a huge benefit or nothing's been proven yet. So all of these probiotics, they get digested by acid that's in your stomach when you consume them. So they're all different and we don't know how much of it is actually uh, entering your body. And same with yogurt. So when people presume yogurt, the way it's digested in your system, as soon as it hits the stomach, can be broken down by acid. And with the fermentation and stuff, you're not really getting that much probiotic. I've got so many patients that tell me, I take probiotics and yogurt every day. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Right. So then it's not necessarily important or we just should get it from fiber? You should should get it from fiber. You should have a, you know, a good diverse diet uh, for sure and avoid excess sugars and ultra processed foods. Like I I wouldn't say that probiotics are harmful in any which way, but I just don't think that there's enough evidence, medical evidence to prove that they're actually beneficial for other than the conditions we mentioned. Yeah, that's good to know. So I guess that's where a lot of like the naturopathy stuff comes in is that this is kind of what you're fed through that 
area in terms of like how to better promote gut health and what you should be doing. And I'm not saying that it's wrong or bad, but I mean, just going all the way back to like the beginning of our conversation is that it's important to actually check out like your stool and like kind of listen to your body and understand it may not just be like, oh, I'll just go to a natural path and I'll be okay. Like there is a reason why your body's doing certain things and telling you, showing you and telling you certain things that you need to kind of take seriously. Yeah. And you also have to, when you go to a naturopath, like I always say that there is definitely room for natural medicine and a lot of things and particularly GI related. But if somebody's trying to sell you a bunch of their supplements, you always have to think twice about what the reason is. I had this one very, very pleasant, um, like late seventies, early eighties year old woman. And she literally was spending her entire pension on the supplements and naturopath testing. And she comes to me with diarrhea and I, I said, I go, okay, well, well, we should do a colonoscopy because she had pretty bad diarrhea. And I go, but in the meantime, like it wasn't going to be a few weeks out until I was getting her in for a colonoscopy. I said, you're going to stop every single one of these supplements. And uh, when she came for her colonoscopy, because she had first seen one uh, naturopath, they had done all this testing. She paid about $5,000 for the testing and the supplements. Oh, my God. Then she still was having some problems. So then she goes to another naturopath who repeated the testing because they didn't believe the other naturopath's testing and gave her more supplements. So she paid, uh, you know, she probably paid close to $9,000 over the past oh my two God. years. And so I told her, stop all of these. And... Um, she comes for a colonoscopy and she was in tears. And I said, what's wrong? She goes, as soon as I stopped them, I felt fine. Oh, that's sad. And she goes, they, they, she goes, they, they were, yeah, I but... go, she goes, I can't believe that their stuff doesn't need to be regulated. I go, it doesn't. I go, you know, there is always a placebo effect for a lot of things. So if you take something, there's a 30% chance that you're going to feel better from it, even though it's not really doing anything beneficial to your gut. It's more of a mental, um, mental Uh, positive feedback that you're getting but uh, just be careful because well that would make sense with the anxiety thing too right like if someone thinks that they're taking something like the placebo effect that is helping their stomach or whatever issue Mm -hmm. and they believe it and buy into it I guess that's kind of a positive but it's really not addressing the issue so you should always like definitely make sure you're getting like that second opinion or or going to a professional um, like an actual doctor, not just a natural path. And again, not no shade against them. Um, I've used them and I think they're great also, but there, there is just, that's why we have all of these channels of different medicine because, um, it's, it's just necessary. And it's funny because we talk about like the processed foods and like the things that we should not have in our diet And you see people that are like, well, I'm not going to a doctor because they're just going to try and shove pills down my throat. So I'm going to go to a natural path. But they're really just doing, not all of them again, are just doing kind of like a similar thing. But instead of like just eating healthy and taking care of their bodies, they think, well, there's something wrong with me. A natural path will fix it because I don't want to be on medication. But it's like... (laughs) You might need to be yeah. and also maybe change your lifestyle. Like, But the medication that's given by the MD, at least it's regulated, right? Whereas yeah. the stuff that's given by the naturopath is not regulated. Like, And, and you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and her thing about giving coffee enemas up your ass. I'm like, who in the world thinks that this is good for constipation? <laughs> I, I, when, I, yeah, when people come and tell me this one. stuff and I'm like, mm, 
Yeah, and then the Dr. Oz detoxes. Like, the, that word detox is really one of the... Uh, it just irks me every time I hear this when people talk about detoxes. You have a liver for a reason. Your liver's job is to detox. You do not need to take any supplements, do any particular diet, drink any particular celery juice to detox your body. Your body really? does Really? That's amazing to know. I was thinking about doing the celery, um, oh, celery don't. juicing. Don't. Oh, what don't. about colonics? <laughs> oh well, no! Don't do it. Really? Don't. I mean, I I did one one time, and the You're... entire time I was like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. It's the worst <laughs> feeling ever. I'll just say that. So I'm yeah, happy to hear it... that you don't recommend it. No, no. Your body flushes its own stuff out. It it works pretty good on its own. You don't need to you know, force your body to do anything. Obviously, if you're unwell for any particular reason, you should get tested out. But the body's been doing really well for centuries without the invention of for colonics and all of those ugh, other things. The so, beginning of man. Honestly, yes. if you haven't had a colonic, just just don't do it. They, they're horrible. Well, I, there's definitely no way I would do a colonic. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do it. There's no, just no. But I mean, that's I, I love that you said all that because there is such a huge market and obsession around the detoxing. And mm. we've actually been hearing that a lot more lately. It's like your liver is your detox organ like it doesn't need help unless you obviously like if you actually have like some kind of condition yeah but in which you would need to seek professional medical attention um so but i do really like that you're kind of just saying like that's not a thing you don't need all the shit going on all the tummy teas all the detox teas all the stuff like the Colonics. supplements colonics yeah, supplements, yeah. Um, just eat healthy it's all in there i used to take a whole bunch of supplements like the the all of them the bees and the omegas but then i literally was like okay i don't feel literally any different at whatsoever i'm just gonna eat normal and then and i do and i eat well-rounded so i'm like what if i'm getting too much how do you know so i feel fine with cutting all that stuff and they're <laughs> oh, yeah. so expensive and it's just giving you a very expensive pee in the end. Yeah. Like your pee is where it's going and it's yeah. just going to be quite expensive. Yeah. I mean, there are some supplements I always recommend if people are low for sure. It's vitamin D, B12. Actually, I do take that every day because I know I'm deficient in vitamin D. Most people in Canada are. And, yeah. And uh, most people of any type of color, like myself, the melanin that's in our skin actually prevents absorption of vitamin D from natural sunlight. So we already don't get enough sunlight in the winter months here. And then you add any person of color, they're already getting less. So most people are deficient. And being deficient in vitamin D is linked to many diseases for sure. Um, so that's important. And B12 and iron, and especially if you're a menstruating woman, um, chances are your iron levels are on the lower side. So if you're symptomatic from that or you feel low energy, definitely you take those things. But you don't need to take all of these zillion other things when you go to the pharmacy. You know, I see people just, you know, filling up on different stuff. Stocking up. Like, Like, this will make me healthy. (laughs) Not need it. Yeah, exactly. It's so, I love, I really, really love when we have specialists on because you are focused and concentrated in this one area. So it's not just sort of like, oh, I know kind of all of these things. Like you really, really have studied and can give real information, advice, and like it's it's just so beneficial because I just 
as I'm sitting here, like thinking about all the things that I've kind of fallen into, not necessarily trends, but just, yeah, like I've heard enough people talking about, oh, you need to take these vitamins or these supplements, or you need to do this detox and that detox. And, and it's like, oh yeah, I do. You're right. Like I, I buy into it or I used yeah, to. Anyway. Cause you want to be so healthy. You want to yeah, like, do, do the do right thing by thinking. your body. Exactly. I do it trying to help my body and think it's, I'm doing good for myself, but I really hadn't ever felt any better. So it's yeah. just, it's always refreshing to just like kind of have that reassurance from a doctor for one. Um, but yeah. a doctor that's somebody who knows her health. shit. Yeah. Come Literally on. That's a good one. Figuratively. <laughs> Um, but Dr. Sabna, this was so awesome. Like I have never enjoyed talking about poop so much in my life. Um, so very grateful and very educational. I I feel like you've really stocked us up with all the information that we really need, you know, especially during COVID, but in general, as women, we need to know what's going on down there. And now we're a little bit more educated. So I definitely appreciate that. Yes, I think our listeners will definitely take a lot away from this too. And Mm -hmm. Basically, I mean, if if you're feeling kind of funny or things aren't looking right when you look back in the toilet, then it's definitely something you want to get checked out. And I took away that if you have a strong gut and good gut health, then you may be less likely to like get (laughs) COVID or have severe as severe symptoms if you yeah, contract it. Yeah, you may it. not have as severe of symptoms of COVID if you're otherwise metabolically healthy. I mean, poor gut okay. health is linked with a lot of things like diabetes, high blood pressure, and those are all known risk factors of poor outcomes with COVID. So it's kind of, it's, it's not a definite association, but uh, there is a potential link there. We need I'm more glad studies. You kind of like clarified that because I don't want to be out here giving like wrong information. It's Dr. Lauren, uh, now thanks. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh, so, doc, Dr. Sapna, tell our listeners where they can find you because I'm sure there's going to be some people that want more information and maybe to even book appointments with you. So, our clinic is in uh, Burlington, Ontario. The website's www.gihc. .ca and you can look that up and there's a fax number there if you'd like an appointment you do need a referral from your family physician um, and then on my soon to start weight loss website or a nutrition counseling website is going to be let's plan you um, let's plan and then the letter u .ca or .com we've got both um, that will be launching this month and on twitter and instagram i'm uh, makija md amazing amazing and as always, you can follow us at Herspective underscore podcast on Instagram. And ladies and gentlemen, check out your poop. Just, yep. just do it. It's not Just gross. do it. And don't send it to Dr. Sapna, though. Yeah, yes, don't bring don't. it with you ever. I don't want Instagram direct messages coming in of your pictures of poop. I will not give medical <laughs> advice on this. Yeah. Blocked. All right, yeah. Dr. Sapna, thank you so much. It was amazing. Thank yes, you guys. we hope to talk to you again. Thank yeah. you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.